0: Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation, I'm Gary Williams. Brendan DeYoung is going to join me here in a second, and the guy who's going to be with us is a major champion, somebody who just rolled his start odometer over 500, and that is Lucas Glover. Lucas was a great player in college at Clemson University, was on a Walker Cup team, and has had a hell of a run. And to consider the fact that he's still out here doing this on a week-in and week-out basis is impressive. But the thing about Lucas that not a lot of people know enough of uh, is that he is a very thoughtful guy um, and he's opinionated. The challenge is getting the opinions from him. We're going to try to do just that as Brendan DeYoung joins me for this Five Clubs Conversation with Lucas Glover. Today's Five Clubs Conversation is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focused group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips. Refresh your game. Visit com today to learn more. Golf Pride. Respect the grip. You just went over 500 starts in your career. I think you're at 502 right now. Um, let's talk about your first. Do you remember your first tour start? I do. Where you were getting paid.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ironically, it was uh the same tournament as my 500th um the valero texas open in 2001 in the fall it was in the fall then um my management team got a sponsor exemption Uh, i was technically still taking classes at clemson Um, went there and played and then played the very next week at Kingsmill, and then uh, complete accident um that my 500th was a few weeks ago back in san antonio um, at the texas open
0: um, do you remember what you had on your collar, on your sleeve? Did you have any sponsorship that it was just a, just...
1: I don't recall. I don't think so quite yet. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> do you, well, how about your first start? Yeah. Where were you? Where was it?
2: Uh, Sony Open. It's not the easiest place to get to and you get that call last minute. I <laughs> got called Wednesday afternoon it was in the grocery store and I uh, had to find a way how to get to Honolulu by Thursday morning. Hopped on a plane, showed up in Honolulu at uh, about 3.15, some poor volunteer had to come pick me up, went straight to the golf course, I think I had a 7.20 tee time with uh, Jeff Ogilvy, who was the reigning wow. U.S. Open champion at the time, and Dean Wilson, who was a local, and that was my, my introduction, thrown what? in the deep end and figure it out. What'd you shoot? I shot... One under par of the first round.
1: That's really good under yeah. the circumstances. Yeah, I think <laughs> I,
2: I was just in my own little world, yeah. and actually oh, probably worked out pretty well. Did you make the cut? I missed about a four footer on the last hole to make the cut.
0: Okay. Now, Dean Wilson is part of a trivia question of a, a historic pairing mm. that he was in. Do you know what you know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. He played with Annika. Right. Yeah. Right. Colonial. He's always remembered. It's the other guy that people forget. You know I've, who it was.
2: I've forgotten. I can see the guy. See, face. I
0: thought you would have remembered that. You would have known that. It's, why is that? Why do people remember Dean Wilson? They don't remember Aaron Barber.
1: Oh, good question. He
0: was yeah. the other guy.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, you made the cut um, at the Texas I, I Open. Did.
1: I did. I did. I remember. I got paired with. Uh, Mark Brooks and Tommy Armour III on Sunday, and I wasn't all that familiar yet with the threesomes off of both tees. Um, and I got, I think, second to last off of uh, the 10th with well, those two, you know, veterans, and they uh, they obviously paid their dues by then. And second to last off the 10th hole on a Sunday in the fall wasn't exactly where they wanted to be at the time, so um, I kind of stayed out of their way. They were. They were ready to get done, and I was grinding for every <laughs> every penny and dollar I could make. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that that first one.
0: What, um, so it was, it wasn't the Corn Fairy Tour, but, okay, we'll call it that. What was it when you played the, You played your full season?
1: It was uh,
0: buy.com. Yep.
1: And then I think the very next year it went to mm. Nationwide, I think.
0: Okay. I think. Okay, so when you, when you got out on the PGA Tour, was there something about the experience, whether it was the first week or just over the course of that first season, that, that stuck with you, that you hadn't thought about, that was either a, a fringe benefit or something that you're like, wow, this is, this is either really nice or I didn't anticipate this being part of my job?
1: Nothing prepares you for, well, I'll backtrack a couple of years. Nothing prepares you for the, the travel, um, whether it be well, any tour that you're trying to play for 10 months out of a year. Um, the Corn Ferry Tour now does obviously does a great job of that. There are several tours that do that, but going into it, I didn't understand the, the rigors of travel and um, how much it actually can take a toll on you, your body, your mind, um, et cetera so that was a bit of a wake-up call there 0203 um, trying to get acclimated um, like i said those did a nice job of that for me when i got to the tour in 04 but now it was now i'm on an airplane instead of in the car because back then you could basically drive the whole um, corn ferry tour um, for me anyway the the an east coaster and then you flew to the, the few on the west coast but um, um, Then fast forward a year, starting in 04, now you're flying every week, or almost every week. And that was a bit of a wake up. Um, So now instead of hopping in the car on Sunday evenings, you're getting to an an airport, getting to the next stop. And uh, so that was a bit of a wake up call, but something I always remember, uh, I heard somebody say, um, it was either Davis Love or or Joe Durant, who were obviously very good friends, very nice to me back then. it's never as good as it seems, and it's never quite as bad as it seems. You're one shot away from playing really good, and unfortunately, you could be one shot away from playing really bad. And so, those are just two things that I remember, and the, the latter stuck with me even till today. You know, yeah, not playing my best. Well, I mean, you're really one shot away from. Whew, I felt good. There it is, nice. You know, so and uh, as good as it is, there's probably always going to be somebody better.
0: The, um, he mentioned Davis and Joe Durant. Nick Price, was, he played very well deep into his 40s, but was he, was he already transitioning when you got out here? Yeah,
2: yeah, he had already finished up. Yeah. Was, Did you have a, a couple people you could lean on? Nick was still one that I lent yeah. on. He had obviously so much useful information for me, but yeah, he was definitely my first phone call. Like if it was something I was struggling with, he would definitely be, uh, be an ear that was always good to talk to. You, um, your, your association with Dick Harmon, and
0: I would think by extension, Lucas, the Harmon's, um, I know, you know, is, is something very redeemable in your, in your career, your life. Is there anything that he lent to you that is so sticky even today, Dick himself?
1: Um, yeah, a few things. I find myself a lot of times when I'm struggling going, well, you know, what, what would be the, what would be the the lesson here and, and uh, for me it was always you know my feet if my feet are comfortable and in a good spot um, so I'm always checking those still and uh, ball striking wise I feel like if my feet are comfortable my setup just kind of stacks up on top of them and uh, that was one of his big things was you know it starts down there and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll build from that and it, it's still kind of still kind of true today. Did you did you have time
0: with the four brothers, did you ever have in the environment with with Billy and Craig and Butch and Dick together?
1: I don't think so. All at once. Okay. Uh, after Dick passed, um, I got them all. I got the three brothers together um, for a fundraiser they did in Dick's honor, and uh, um, I want to say that was as close as I got to to all of them at the same time. And you know, one's enough. Two, um, two. <laughs> Two's pushing it. Three's a lot, and the four—I don't know if anybody's ever survived it. But uh, no, they've—that that family's been great to me, and still are. I'm still in touch with uh, with Dick's boys and and, um, and Butch a little bit, um, but uh, see see Craig at home, and, and and see Billy whenever I can, and they're just very very blessed to be able to pick up the phone and call any of those guys and and just say say hey or pick the brain or, or anything like that. Did you, um, did you find as you were, look, you get married,
0: you, just, you have children, time to just get lost in the pursuit of this, which is what you guys, have, it's the only thing you've known. I don't know that you thought about being efficient at any point. Do you need to be more efficient now
1: with your work? 100%, 100%. Yeah, there's, I mean, you know, they call it a ball count. You know, I, I'd love to stand up there and hit balls all day. I can't do it anymore. Um, come Thursday, I'll be exhausted. So I find myself um, focusing on recovery a little more, and whether that be in the, the fitness truck uh, after a round or, or treatment or anything like that, um, yeah, uh, not as much, um, not as much full swings. A lot more short game, a lot more stretching, a lot more stuff. But uh, still put my work in. But it's not as full bore as it was. Just just can't do it. 40, yeah. 43 and um, a lot of years. On the driving range, so have to just be careful. Just yeah. don't tire out. Don't don't waste it all on Tuesday.
0: Did 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 younger guys motivate you, or did you find you got dejected by seeing the next wave?
2: Seriously, I mean, I am mean, <laughs> pretty dejected yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he played in the pro am. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was tough. He got paid. <laughs> yeah, was bowling forty yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was like this. Yeah. It was terrible, yeah. my yeah. third round of the year. Um, <laughs> I would say motivated. I would say definitely. You kind of figured that you had to. You had to to keep up with these young guys. Um, it's tough. You watch these guys. You know that they are so single-mindedly in golf. You know that you have kids at home and you want to be kind of getting dragged in different directions. But you figure out if you if you want to continue to compete out here, you have to. You've got to, and as Lucas was saying, you become a much better time manager because you have to. Um, but I would say overall, yeah, you feel motivated by these young kids seeing what they're doing. You, it didn't take you long to win on the PGA
0: Tour when you won at Disney. I, it seems to me, you tell me otherwise, that there are more young guys who don't want to wait their turn. Like the idea of um, this five-year gestation period, maybe that's the way it used to be. When you, when you got out here, did you, how many guys did you think could win right away and how many more can do that now?
1: 10 75 wow it's it's unbelievable how prepared uh, the guys are coming out of high school or a year or two of college or four years of college um, technology uh, training um, advances in instruction uh, just they're ready and the 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 mindset of you know he waits your turn that that's out. I mean these guys are out here guns ablazing day one, yeah. and it's it's impressive. Yeah. Um, how aggressive, how much they, how much more they attack a golf course. Um, I mean there's there's no sucker pin for a lot of these kids. I mean they're going at them, and it, it's it's cool to see when it works, and then they. Yeah. Um, uh, then it doesn't and then they don't care they just pick up and go the next week and do it again and it probably works the next time but um, the, the the length of everybody's hitting it now and the aggression that they play with is, um, is new and I think that's the that's why they're so ready they've been playing that way their whole life and they just come out here I'm going to see how many birdies I can make this week if it's good enough great and if not We'll go practice some more Saturday and Sunday and show up the next week and do it all over again. Yeah. And it works. It's good. It's impressive. And we're in a our, our game's in a very good spot.
0: Yeah, it, it, who was the was the most win ready guy of your vintage?
2: Um, I thought Bill Haas was. I thought Bill Haas' game was yeah. pretty polished coming out of college. Um, I DJ Trahan was, was pretty ready just because he had that kinda cocky attitude where he wasn't scared of anything. He was that one guy that was, mm. he had kind of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. You were on the Walker Cup team, so you you got to measure
0: yourself, not that you weren't in these great college events. Was there a guy who stood out to you that you went, okay, that guy, that guy's going to do it?
1: Bryce Mulder. He was full-time first team. Yeah. I mean, he was he was the best at everything in college. He drove it—not necessarily the furthest, but far, straight, ironed it the best, wedged it the best, and putted the best. Pretty good. And he's
2: um, a smart guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, smart guy, and um, yeah, and you know whether the pressure of being a, the V can't miss guy got him or or not, we'll never know. But um, uh, one of my favorite things about Bryce is no matter how he played, no matter how he, um, what happened on the course, he never changed. And through his struggles, he never got down. Through his success, he never got too up. And he treated everybody the same. But uh, yeah, Bryce, uh, very, very impressive. And uh, yeah, he had a pretty impressive pedigree.
0: Was there somebody? And I'm not. Well, I don't. This is not to disparage anybody. Was there someone who you thought, who's the best player nobody's ever heard of? Someone who you, who you saw strike a golf ball, you went, God bless it, this guy's good. That it didn't happen for.
1: Michael Sims, a pretty good. One. Chris Nallen. Chris Nallen, Yep, yep. There's a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch. Um, man. I yeah, mean, if we well, you had a guy. Five mean, minutes, we
2: could come up with yeah, twenty. I'm, sure yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could. I yeah. mean,
0: I'm sure you could. I just saw you earlier today, you know, playing, and Charles Warren, who was,
2: yep.
0: I mean, Charles could move the golf ball. Yeah. Um, and a- again, it just it just goes to show you that the more you ascend the more narrow, it's, it's it's a wild thing. Did you, when you won the US Open, and I remember I was doing TV and radio in New York City at the time, and and I remember because I had been in Charlotte prior and, and had the chance to talk to you, um, like I had a familiarity with you and people are like, God, this, you know, and it was such a weird week. Yeah. Didn't you, how many books did you read that week?
1: Three or four. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of a lot of hotel room time. yeah yeah I mean it was just sit there I mean, it was raining so hard you didn't even want to go out to dinner just
0: did you did you and, and again this is really literally at the at the precipice of social media Twitter was literally like founded during that there was there was no presence did you consume local television on Long Island did you watch local news were you consuming golf Channel on live from that week
1: mm not a lot of not a lot of golf other sports whatever local baseball game was on and, yeah. and you're a lot a of reading fan. Yeah. yeah 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 um a lot of reading and a lot of I mean it was sitting around I mean I didn't hit a I didn't hit a shot in the competition till Friday almost Friday night played five holes on Friday and then it was just a marathon after that
0: did you come and the reason I asked that is that there are a lot of players today who do not look at leaderboards. Mm. Um, and it's something that coincidentally, Billy Harmon, he, he oh, I love talking to him about guys who are averse to look at leaderboards. He doesn't understand it. Were you trying to stay aware what, what the hell was going on, in terms of your relation to things, or did you wait until the end?
1: Um, no, I knew. And I also knew with the guys behind me that they were gonna make a run. I mean, it's 2009, I mean, Tiger's lore was at its peak. Yep and you knew he was coming. And he made a run. He didn't get there, but he made a run. I think, uh, I don't remember exactly how it shook out, but, um, and then Phil was right there. You knew he was coming. Yep. And the way Duval had been playing, and then Ricky, I mean, at one point, I think he was 10 or 11, 12 under for the events. So obviously he was playing great. So as soft as it was, it, I knew it wasn't gonna be one of those typical survival U.S. Opens. There was gonna have to be, um there was going to be, have to be some birdies somewhere because somebody else was going to make them. Um, and I made the one on, on 16, and, and then I, I knew, knew where I stood, but on 16, after I made the birdie walking to 17, I took a really good look at the board. Who else is there? Who, or who else still has holes to play? You know, where, what are we looking at next couple next couple holes? Did you um, – how
0: different were major weeks for you?
2: Very, very. And, and going back to – you talked about – bouncing things off Nick Price who said <laughs> that is the week where you're going to have to learn how to say no. You're getting pulled in so many different directions during a major week I mean it's a hard enough week as it is but you name it everybody is out there that week and they want, want a piece of your time and it's uh, you do you've got to be you got to be pretty harsh at times and just say listen I'm trying to do some work here and say no.
0: yeah you, and then when you win, then it really is is the condition of saying no and it's not just you it's the people representing you um did Did you do what you thought was a, a the proper balance of of talking about the achievement? Did you like the aftermath of what you had done? No, you did not
1: I did not I felt it was more of an obligation and something I needed to do versus something I actually wanted to do and needed meaning um, you know uh, sponsors and endorsers and people that that deserve to have their Logos and names out there, and so that was my obligation as not an employee, but a partner in in that that type of thing. So did it for that, but um, I mean, you two know. me my the, the the attention and being the center of attention isn't really my thing. Um, so I didn't didn't really love it, but um, the motivation to do it was that it, it I felt obligated to.
0: The um, Billy Kratzer, I'm sure you didn't coin it, but he said, there are a lot of people who like attention, but there are far less number of people who want to be watched. Mm. Um, did you feel that, one, you got exponentially more attention, and two, did you feel at times that you were being watched?
1: Yes, both. Yeah, a lot more attention. Um, but it's a it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation, too. You know, after, you know, you have a couple lean years, nobody cares anymore. And I, I'd always joked, I said, you know, after the US Open, go in to do media at whatever event or whatever tournament, and all of a sudden, everybody's asking me what I think about things. I said, no, y'all didn't ask me that before. So why do you care now what I think? So if you, you know, I, I'm not even actually, I'm not actually gonna tell you that yeah. I'm gonna just give you the company line, just like I did three weeks before the US Open. Cause I'm not any smarter or anything now that I've won a tournament, so. It was a, you know, kind of a joke, but in the back of my mind, I was like, my opinion hasn't changed yeah. just because I'm a yeah. major champion, yeah. right? And, or,
0: or the value of my opinion hasn't yeah. changed. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, so yeah. it's, and, and a lot of times, and especially doing media, your opinion gets you in trouble, but um, so still kind of kept them to myself. You
0: know, it's interesting that he said that because I had the good fortune of playing with him in the Pro-Am here at Quail Hollow the year after he won, and we, and we played with Tim Sloan. Mm-hmm. Um, who was ascending to to run the bank, and I'll never forget it. We were walking down what is now the third hole was the fourth hole, and anything Tiger did, there was there was this, you know, the media wanted to get the reaction of other people to right. what had happened, and you said virtually the same thing you just said. Why do people care what I think, and I and I thought to myself, I care, like because I know you're interesting. I know that you have you have an opinion that's formed. All these years later, that was, that was a decade ago, more than a decade ago, do you feel less or more inclined to give your opinion?
1: Less, way Why? less, way less. Why? Because of what you mentioned five <laughs> minutes ago, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter and, uh, you know, there's a, I saw a great t-shirt in a, on, a, on a young lady in an airport a few months back and it just said, say less. You can't go wrong, and you know it's okay to talk amongst your peers and people behind closed doors and give your opinion and this and that. But it's just too much now. Yeah. No, no matter what you say, what you do, you're going to offend somebody or some faction of people. And with what we've seen, uh, social media, what we've seen that microphones picked up, and you're going to get burned. And it's 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 hard enough to it's hard enough to please the people who you love. You're not gonna please the people you don't know. I mean no. it's it's this it's tough. I mean you cancel culture and it's it happening all the time and right or wrong, I'm you know, whether ninety percent of the people agree with me, ten percent are gonna come after me if I say bottled water's better than tap water. Somebody's going to get offended by that, anyway. you know? Or yeah. it doesn't have fluoride in it. Oh, wow, okay, sorry. Something. So, silly example, but not everybody's going to... No, they're not. So, that's kind of my stance on my opinion.
0: You're, you're not You're not a very willing participant as far as social media. You're kind of doing it now a little bit out of obligation, aren't you? Just because we're doing stuff and you're...
2: I'm probably the world's biggest hypocrite. Because I used to sit around and give my wife and kids the hardest time for all the social media. Now I'm the guy that's kind of obligated to do it for our job. Yeah, but no, yes, I'm not a willing participant. But yeah. I do understand that it's a necessity mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do.
0: Okay, so, so, and listen, I, I'm i with you. Like, I, I it is so hard to just authentically put your, your position out there Um, without there being some faction that just doesn't accept it's you know feelings are not facts they're just just Mm -hmm. but um, whose opinion in golf do you value
1: everybody's because that's the only way to form a proper opinion is you take everybody everybody's stance and everybody's different things and then you think it through and then you actually say okay well if so and so believes that so and so believe and they have and they and it's well and it's well formed and well thought and there's f- factual basis to it well then that's how you actually a become more intelligent and B, form a proper opinion because you're listening to you know we got 2 300 members and you, you listen to all of it and then you can take what you like keep it t- take what you don't like discard it and then I mean that's how you not how you think is you listen and absolutely, um, but as you know as far as individuals, um, yeah I mean I try to listen to everybody. Uh, do
0: you do you ever watch golf on television?
1: Um, very seldom. If a if a friend uh, is in contention, I'll flip it on, and I enjoy watching. Um, if I'm not in a major, I enjoy watching those. Yeah. Because I I appreciate the the pressure and the the build-up for those, but um, just every day on a Sunday afternoon, probably not.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you, when you were younger, did you watch golf on TV?
2: Not a lot of it, to be honest. Um, Obviously, with the time change with the PGA Tour, it would be late at night back home. Um, I would, was allowed to stay up. I remember during school, I was allowed to stay up for those four nights during the Masters. That was always a highlight, Um, but didn't watch a whole lot of it, no. But you're now, you're now calling golf, um, do, you, do
0: you listen to other people who call golf to, to try to find some constructive advancement in what you're doing and if so, who do you like?
2: Uh, very much so. I've, I've always liked Billy Kratzer because I feel like he doesn't try and say too much to try and make a point. He's, he's a man of few words, he's got a respected voice in the game, um, I love what he does. I think John McGinnis is great because he brings that humor to it, which is, uh, which is always good fun. Brian Katrick, same way. I think he brings that humor aspect to it, which is, which is good for the listeners, easy to listen to. Um, those are probably three guys that just right off the bat I would think about.
0: Yeah, as far as like, new media, look, this is what we're doing. We're, we're creating this digital media platform, and, and hopefully people like, I, I don't particularly love the term content, but do you consume any of that no laying up or or the foreplay pot or colt and drew this you know there's subpar podcasts do you listen or watch any of that stuff
1: outside don't? of outside of participating like this yeah i've done um uh, i've done colts a few times and um, some other stuff um i don't turn down many requests um i like talking about it and um you know giving my insight on things but but no i don't I'm when I'm off, um, you guys are a little ahead of me in the, the child stage, but uh, I'm at the softball field, the basketball court, or the hockey rink. Um, there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of time for um, watching content.
0: No, but here's what you do watch: you watch college football mm. uh, from a from a invested, you know, really intellectual way. I mean, you you, you not only know the team you love but you have a really good understanding of who's good out there. When you watch college football, do you find yourself feeling like you're agreeing with more or less of the analysis you're hearing? Like, who do you like who calls college football and analyzes the game? Because you really watch a fair amount.
1: Uh, I think Sean McDonough is fantastic. Uh, he's, he's a, he is a
0: generational play-by-play broadcaster. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Um, I think Tarico is the most versatile of our generation. Um, I'm not familiar with people that led up to you know pre-90 stuff. Yeah, um, he's fantastic. I would love to see his um, notebook or whatever he has to prep for a game, any game, because it, I mean, it's got to be. I mean, he's. He, I oh. tell you
0: what, Lucas. As a matter of fact, at the Masters. Um, he did. He did the serious radio broadcast. Mm. He did radio yeah. because because he can. Yeah. And we were talking about technology that he uses, and he recommended this uh, this device that you can you can download PDFs that you're you're kind of constructing your own notebook oh. that is a digital notebook, oh. which he is now he's got this thing now. Oh, cool! I'll tell you, um, Tarico, years ago when I was doing local radio in Charlotte, I had him on. And it was on a Thursday. He was calling a Virginia Tech game on that Thursday night mm. in Blacksburg. And from there, he was going to do a Laker game on on Friday night in LA. And on Saturday, you know where he was? He was at Disney calling golf.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's the most well-rounded, I think, definitely of our generation. Um, he can call anything. I mean, he can call the British Open, or, Basketball and like you said, anything.
2: I've heard he's, him do some golf. It sounds yeah. like he does it every week. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable.
1: He's, he's fantastic. Um, yeah, McDonald's he's he's fantastic. And now that my new interest in um, in hockey, I'm and getting. He's, a, he's a calling a, man, hockey. Man, he's good on that. And those names, and that you know, as a American, those some of those names are hard. Boy, he don't miss. Um, he's good. I actually, listen to him. I guess it was two nights ago, or what? Watched and he was doing it. So yeah. he's he's impressive. Unless you, unless your team's playing Syracuse, he's all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now the Syracuse Clemson football <laughs> game. So he's calling this game in Death Valley last year, and there were some dubious calls late in that game. Yes, Lucas, and he was beside himself. Yeah. And I I like enough people know how he's he didn't just go to Syracuse, he. But again, he's a great broad He can't help himself. Yeah. he was he was, yeah, was apoplectic yeah. Oh, yeah. about what was going on. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you, he hides his homerism very well. But it, it was I couldn't have done that in that <laughs> game because there were some pretty rough ones for them. Yeah. Um, the, the refs were bad that game both ways. But the, theirs just happened at the end. And yeah, it was the first time he's kind of come out of character. I thought that I've been a part of. Yeah. Usually he's uh, he's pretty down the middle. But you, you could tell he was. <laughs> I'm picking on him a little bit, but uh, no, he, he's he's probably my favorite current.
0: Yeah, he's great. When you were, who was, Michael was already gone. Vic was already gone, right? No,
2: he was there. He was there when yeah, you were there. Yeah, we came in the same time.
0: Okay, so you, you rode a hell of a wave.
2: I thought we were supposed to go to the national championship every year. When yeah. I was a kid from Zimbabwe coming in, I thought that's just what happened. We were that good. Hmm. I didn't realize what a big deal that was and yeah. what a big deal he was. Well,
0: it, you know, look, you, you as somebody who, like I said, is, is is really plugged in on on Clemson football. Seeing what's going on right now uh, with Georgia, and Alabama is not going anywhere. What is Clemson? What if anything do they have to do to kind of kind of pivot for the next couple of years? Is the OC is the new offensive coordinator? Yeah. Are you encouraged about that?
1: Absolutely. I think um, Brandon Strader was a very good friend. Is a very good friend. Um, he had the job last year and um, I think um, a little bit handcuffed um, with some personnel. Um, (laughs) And I think uh, Dabo had to do that to kind of breathe some life back. And um, you know, it's all recruiting as we know. And uh, he had to to pivot on that. And um, it's kind of a coup to get Coach Riley that quick. I mean, um, and everybody wanted him. um, I think Dabo's relationship with Lincoln Riley helped, and uh, yeah, I like what I've seen, like what I've read. Um, the, the recruits seem to be um, digging what they're doing. So um, I think that and just some consistent O-line play. Uh, defense should be salty again. Um, and then we got to get some production out of some receivers. receiver room can't get healthy, A, and B, they, um, a little down in, in the talent that we got used to, similar mm-hmm. to what you said, going to the Championship. We got pretty used to having a first round draft pick on the roster at wide receiver. Yep. Sometimes two at a time, um, but uh, yeah, they'll be back. Dabo, uh, he's stubborn in all the right areas.
0: The, um, I did a couple basketball games at Virginia Tech years ago, and it was after Vic. And, and you can see what happens if football is good to a yeah. school, yeah. Um, giving pride that is associated. People, so their wallets just fall out of their, you know, their back pockets and money comes out and just... Um, did you see that in immediately when you guys were good? Like as far as the way that that university looks, yeah. Buildings being built. Yeah. Because you're winning football games.
2: Yeah, that was pretty immediate. I thought you meant to the golf team. We kinda no, got no. The, the, <laughs> we got the trickle down a That took a little while.
1: You got to fill up the van all the way yeah. instead of yeah. just yeah. Yeah. I get,
2: yeah. Um but no you do. There's there's buildings going up all over the place. It's uh yeah, it's pretty quick.
0: And Clemson, look, you go down there now, like when you were there, I, I'm sure it was it was a you know, beautiful spot. Like what it is now and I remember this was years ago Dean Smith said, Look, we are we are the front porch of this university. The the, the university, the, the house are those academic buildings. But if you have a really attractive front porch, the value of your home mm. goes way up.
1: Way up. Yeah.
0: And he's dead on it. Yeah he? yeah.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, the the what athletics can bring, like you said, monetarily and the influx of money into the university for facilities buildings uh, and then just an overall just s- spreading out um, of those funds it's massive and the I don't remember the stat but the just from Alabama from when Saban got there coach Saban got there till I, I want to say the mid-teens their enrollment or their applications were up something like 500 percent I don't again don't, don't quote me on that but it, it's it was close to that just from them being a powerhouse again, their yeah. applications to go to school there went. Phew. So it's, it's it's true. I mean, football drives a bus, and um, you know, for funding anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, let's get back to golf here for a second. I I know you're, you we talk about giving opinions. Um, Rory has got an opinion, <laughs> mm. um, and and from my perspective, um, there's thought given to it. He tries to give context. Um, when you look at the, the younger stars who have been given voice in this game, are they, are they the, the right voices to be being heard right now?
1: Um, I don't think there are any voices that should be heard. If, you, if you're going to give one person a voice, you've got to give everybody a voice. I would prefer it just to be a dictatorship, personally.
0: And who should the dictator be?
1: The commissioner? The guy with the big office in the private plane. Yeah. Just tell us what we're doing. Tell us what we're doing. I don't know. You don't have to say why. Um, Fincham gets a lot of criticism from players my age, not me per se, but um, whether we liked the decision or not, he did it for the betterment of everyone on this tour. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case at the moment um and again that's 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 getting out there a little bit for me to say something like that but uh um you know tim tim did it for the best the best thing for 300 people not 30 and um you know whether this model works i hope it does because it's our tour it's what i've put 20 years of my life into and i hope it works um but if it if it doesn't i'm not going to say I told you so, but I can sit here and say I was skeptical.
0: Yeah, leverage Uh, is an interesting thing.
1: It is and what um, what I'm afraid some of these people don't understand is that um, nobody's ever played this game for a long time and not not been sizzled by it. You look at Jack Nicholas's career on the line graph it looks like that. There's only one that's done that. So um, It'll be interesting to see if some of the guys with these voices all of a sudden have a little downturn, what happens. The,
0: um, we, we were talking and we kind of share the same feelings on you know the construct of what, whether there's 8, 10, 12, 14 designated events, there's certain things that I find to be fundamental to, to what you do, which I admire the hell out of, and that is elite professional golf. There's gotta be jeopardy on Friday. There's got to be consequences to to not being good enough to play the weekend. Mm-hmm. You share that feeling?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I don't understand why 120 wasn't enough.
0: You have the deepest tour you've ever had. Yeah. Why wouldn't you celebrate? Like you said, there's 75 kids who don't want to wait their turn. Yeah. Not That's to a- mention the established ones. There's more guys who can win now than ever before. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean. You you know, that may be 12, 14 times you lose an opportunity to have a Eric Cole story.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and Cinderella's cool, man. It sells every year in March. Right? It's, I mean, it's March Lucas, Madness. Exactly right.
0: It's, it's it, it, the, the underdog. The door has to be ajar for the underdog. Right. It's it's the, the texture of sports at every level is filled with the story. You know, miracle wasn't made. Because the Soviets won.
1: Right, that's right. Yeah, and I, and I've said this too. I've been on I've been on both sides of those meetings. I've been in the, some of those meetings where I was playing really really well, and um, something like now would benefit me. And I've been on the other side where I haven't been playing very well, and I'm on the other side of it. And so I can actually say I've seen both sides of a situation like we're we're getting ready to deal with, and um, I haven't. I just I disagree with the number I disagree without having a cut um, and um you know I think i've most of my peers know where I stand um, I don't really say anything to anybody in the head office because it doesn't really matter. they're gonna do what they're gonna do um, but yeah i don't I've yet to figure out what was wrong with say hundred and twenty guys with a cut
0: that's what that look getting into fields of one twenty getting into Jack's event, getting into Tiger's event, um, getting into Arnold's event, its a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, at, at the bare minimum, 100. First of all, the other part of it is if you have essentially one wave, like for the, you know, selling drinks out here and concessions, yeah. and the business model of the difference between 70 and 120 or 144, 156 is significant.
1: Significant, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out. I don't uh, don't have a crystal ball, but uh, you know it'll a hey, can make anything look good. We know that, right? So um, it'll come off well. Uh, but I think behind closed doors, it's been a bit of a rougher go than anybody's leading on. Yeah. Um, some pretty unhappy campers.
0: Do you um, do you want to bridge it all the way to 50? Do you want to play, do you want to, is that, is that important to you, mm. to be fully exempt until you're 50?
1: I've never thought about that, that way. Um, so no. Okay. Not.
0: I for You know, I think guys who do that, that's one of the great accomplishments that I think you guys could ever do. Like a guy like Jerry Kelly. Mm.
1: Yeah. Davis Strick. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, to... to like I remember a couple of years ago working with Chris DeMarco, and Chris Chris had a hell of a good stretch, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then it was over, mm. and then he didn't he didn't play for basically four years, right. mm-hmm. and then wanted to go back out there at 50, and he's like, holy cow, like these guys mm. are, whether you want to or you don't, right. I think being fully exempt into your 50 is one of the most underrated things any player can do. Longevity is being being fully exempt on this tour till you're 50 i think is is a damn near miracle truly
1: yeah well i'm gonna make that a goal then gary thank you (laughs)
0: how about making the
1: about making the Ryder cup when you're 50. speaking of longevity yeah jay haas jay haas uh ray floyd just yeah adding another uh one of those guys that did what you were just talking about Jay you yeah, know yeah impressive
0: no I mean he Well, I mean Jay made a cut and I understand he had his son by his side it into his 60s that's the other thing like well I mean Sneed Sam Sneed was 62 he finished in the top 10 in a major when he was 60 61 and 62
1: <laughs> that's, staggering. that's
0: I mean I don't yeah I get it there wasn't as much depth all right let us let us get you out of here let me get my let me get my questions here five quick questions for Lucas Glover what's the first and last movie It's the first movie you ever saw in a movie theater, and what's the last one?
1: First one, I could not tell you. Last one, uh, Mario Brothers, the the Nintendo movie. Took a bunch of kids. Nice. uh, A couple of couples and our kids and their kids. We had a big time.
0: All right, your favorite restaurant anywhere in the world? Whew.
1: Um, per se New York City okay
0: what's your favorite restaurant oh man
2: um, I'm gonna be a homer and go with good food on Montford. okay we were just talking about that <laughs> yeah <place>. we were <laughs> okay what what is your favorite word word
1: yeah <laughs> Wow No idea. Can I just make something up? Sure, you can. About Sequoia. It's got all five vowels in it.
0: (laughs) I thought it was going to be no.
1: No. No a good word. It is a good word. Wow. I don't know. No. I'll go no. Okay. Uh,
0: The last book you read, which you probably finished yesterday
1: Um, Grisham's newest one, Boys in Biloxi.
0: Okay. Do you ever, you, I know you love thrillers, and, and do you ever read any nonfiction?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I have a personal rule now, two to one. So I call the thrillers and airport books. So for every two yeah, yeah. airport books, i got to read a nonfiction. That's okay. been the last couple of years, just a personal, personal okay, rule. Give me,
0: give me the last nonfiction book you read.
1: I read Boys in the Boat again. Excellent book. Second time. Yeah. So I thought it was worth it. That was a good one. really good
0: yep um what is the best advice you've ever given someone
1: i actually told my daughter the same thing i mentioned earlier it's never as good as it seems it's never quite as bad as it seems told her that after she was upset about softball a few weeks ago and then uh sunday she had a nice game before they got rained out and And she said, I remember. I'm not gonna get too excited because I played well. I said, All right, that's good. We're getting there. So All right, last
0: thing. You you've you've played a lot of golf at a lot of places. Is there a golf course you've never played that you're curious about playing? And I'm not talking about competitive golf. Like I hope this gets added to, you know, the rotation of a major just some place.
1: Um I'm a big Raynor McDonald guy and Mm -hmm. I've not played Chicago golf. You'd love it. That one's up there for me.
2: Yeah.
1: Hadn't been there. Had The
0: a whole thing. Have you played there?
2: I haven't. I've heard wonderful things. Yeah.
0: The, the, the clubhouse, its it reeks of, of, obviously, a ton of history that's happened there. Mm. Um, you'd like it. You'd, yeah.
1: I like those style of courses and the architecture and that. So I'd well, like you, to see that. As a
0: Yankee fan, have you ever enjoyed playing golf in the metropolitan area just sure. socially? Sure. Oh, yeah. You have. Mm-hmm. Out on Long Island, mm-hmm. Westchester County?
1: hmm More on Long Island, but
0: Okay. West. Okay, your favorite on Long Island because we we're talking to Mitchell about, about Shinnecock and National in one day.
1: Does Fishers count? Yes, it does. Fishers Island's my favorite ever. Anywhere.
0: Have you not played Fishers Island? I
1: haven't played Fishers Island.
2: No. Nope.
0: When you see when you see a Prescott Bush's name on the wall for as a club champion, you know the club's got some pretty good pedigree. Yeah. For but sure. that that place. When was the last time you were there?
1: Only once. Um, the week after the last open at Shinnecock, So whatever year that was, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah,
0: eighteen. Yeah. So Gil had done all the touch-up stuff. He had he had been. That took ten years for him to kind of polish off a lot of that stuff. A lot of the Rainer stuff had kind of been not by anybody's negligence, but just mowing patterns and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. just got. Yeah,
1: this special place. It is really good.
0: Um, you're awfully kind to give us this time. No,
1: no, happy it's good to see you. You'll too. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you very much, yes, sir. Anytime.
0: Really appreciate Lucas Glover taking the time to join me and Brendan DeYoung. Young. And uh, yeah, a little windy out here at Quail Hollow today, but it was great to have him. And you can tell when he started talking about certain things, particularly the direction of the PGA Tour. He's got thoughts and we were really appreciative that he was willing to share all of that today with us. But most importantly, thank you guys for watching and listening to this Five Clubs conversation.